0: Hi John, welcome back. It's great to have you again. Same here. So John, uh, further to the last podcast we recorded on left versus right, left with right, eventually whole brain thinking. It has intrigued a lot of people. And, uh, you know, we're very enthused to dive deeper into the subject. So taking further whole brain thinking, I wanted to understand from you uh, about quadrant analysis. It plays a very key role, you know, when it comes to utilizing your entire brain. Can you give us insights on how it works in a working example of the same?
1: Yes, Richard So, uh, just to recap, where we left off from our last podcast, uh, you know, we talked about the theory of left versus right brain thinking, uh, and uh, if you remember, I'd highlighted that uh, this is more of a metaphor uh, rather than how the brain actually works. But Absolutely. Help us, you know, just help people understand the concept that we're talking about, right? And we had said that uh, left brain thinking is more of analytical, logical kind of thinking, while right brain thinking is more of emotional, intuitive kind of thinking. Now, modern an analysis takes this to the next level. Is, sort of looking at it as the left and the right, you can imagine each the left and the right both being further broken down into a lower left and an upper left Uh and a lower right and upper right okay and the lower is the more hygiene aspect whereas the upper part is the more higher order aspect so if you take the lower left quadrant Mm -hmm. it's more of what you call practical thinking okay you would have come across people who you say This person is a very practical person Just yeah. think for the right situation Right uh, And uh, they don't get caught into unnecessary drama When they are facing a situation But they quickly come to a solution and then apply it there. So you will okay. work Thought of as Practical people Right mm-hmm. are Good at execution Quickly get the job done Those kind of people uh, So that is a lower left quadrant uh, then we come to the left quadrant. The upper left quadrant is about higher order analytical and logical thinking. So typically, your lot of your scientists work in that mode. They have to, they have to solve a problem using different principles of Max or science equations. So it's not as simple and straightforward as practical thinking. It's more of higher order kind of thing, right? So that's upper well, quadrant on the right side the lower right typically goes to more emotional and relational kind of thinking which is how do you relate to people what are your emotions you know uh, do you express your emotions do you understand emotions you know all of that is the lower right the upper right quadrant is more of the experimental intuitive kind of thinking which is a how do you connect dots, which are not very straightforward, right? So unlike your upper left, which is uh, more sequential, right? So if you look at many many mathematical proofs, you will find that they are, there is a process and an approach to deriving the final. Right. Uh, but if you look at the upper right quadrant, you will find that many times the intuitions that one uh, or finally the conclusions that come one comes to are uh, mm-hmm. more intuitive. Uh, they may not be a linear sequence of thinking. right? Okay. Because people are not used to thinking upper right uh, would be like, hey, how did that person come to that? Conclusion? Where on earth did that conclusion come from? Right. Yeah. So, uh, people who are able to master both the upper left and the upper right together uh, become extremely powerful in the way that they are uh, able to solve a problem or the way that they are able to add value to a particular domain. Uh, a great example like Steve Jobs Uh, Uh Jobs was someone who uh, you know came to the conclusion that uh, so the the philosophy that was in Vogue was that if you want to make a good product you have to keep speaking to customers and asking them what they need Uh, and then your product and solution around that right Steve the first people who came and said customers don't know what they need right if uh, Henry Ford had asked people what they needed uh, they would have said i wanted a faster horse and the car would mm-hmm. right so similarly steve jobs applied the same thought process and said that it's my job to figure out what the customer needs by observing the customer uh, mm-hmm. asking the customer and going by what the customer says. right mm-hmm. in a scenario like this applying both the upper left and the upper right quadrant thinking together mm-hmm. a very powerful answer because there is a role for logic, analysis, rigor in the way of thinking. There is also a role for creativity, intuition, experimentation, etc. Another thing I can give is that of uh, Albert Einstein. Right, where uh, he, uh, by by the age of about 14 or 15, he was very good at math. But he a school where uh, the school started teaching him uh, how to visualize things in sort of okay. writing equations right so a lot of his insights on um, you know the universe physics gravity etc all came from his ability to visualize how something could play out uh, in front of him right mm-hmm. with the set that he could actually wish visualize electromagnetic equations for example right and that wow yeah i've read that How, how, how did he do that so, he was one of those rare people who were able to creatively and imaginatively visualize something rather than just create right, vision. So, he would first visualize and then convert right. that visualization into an equation. Right. 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 Like a lot of other people in the field used to work at that point. Right. So, I hope right. these two examples give you some sense of uh, when we say whole brain thinking, how it's divided into four quadrants. Absolutely. Upper left and right can combine uh, to create a superior outcome.
0: Actually, Also, John, it's very interesting, right? Uh, when we're discussing this uh, at depth and focus, we're actually dividing them into four quadrants and understanding them. But when you're thinking, you're thinking at a spur of a moment. So uh, awareness, I think, is a very important aspect, right? Of understanding which is your dominant path and then developing something which is dominant. Absolutely. So uh, can you tell us uh, how this is applied in your workforce at end paradise Because you're into building
1: simulations for learning and development. Yeah, so we are uh, working in a space where which is traditionally a quote-unquote right brain space. Yeah. Right, right. A lot of the uh, learning methods and a lot of the learning content uh, is in areas where uh, you know, more of how do you manage people, how do you inspire, motivate people. So there are skills in those areas. Uh, we are on areas like data analysis, areas like strategy, business acumen, etc. Uh, which involve both the upper right and the upper left quadrants together needed. Mm. Right. Mm. If you look at most learning solutions, you will find that there is a larger portion of right brain thinking than left brain thinking. Uh probably because the space attracts people. Right. Right. So if you look at any mm. space, find that it attracts people who typically co- form one of these quadrants, right? Yeah. Right, so you will find that, uh, you know, areas like uh, hospitality, areas like, uh, you know, care, people care, uh, you know, not of the people on the front line work most, more on the upper left, lower left or the lower right quadrants, right? Mm-hmm. Very practical, they take care of people in a very practical way or they are able to connect with people in a very good emotional way Pay, and therefore they include their jobs uh-huh. yeah in the training space you will find that a lot of it is got to do with uh, either upper right or upper left brain thinking right, right. upper right skills like I said are more of people management connecting with people inspiring people etc uh, upper left is more of uh, inside data business etc those kind of areas uh, right our value to this space has been our ability to bring both kind of thinking into the way solutions are created. Absolutely. So uh, the challenge that all players in this space uh, figure out is you get people from the market who are uh, very strong on the left brain side or the right brain side. Who uh, mm-hmm. so then get them in and uh, how do you leverage their strengths uh, so that they can do mm-hmm. the job. At the same time, how do you put in place a support system which can uh, develop the other side uh, while they are delivering mm-hmm. the stronger side, and that became... right, right,
0: right. So again, that follows into my next question, right? Uh, this is something you mentioned even in the lot in the last podcast. Uh, when you're looking at a problem, you ideally should look at it from a whole brain thinking perspective. So for that, you a need to be aware of which we just discussed off, and b you need to hone yourself to think in that manner. So what are the best practices? That will help one develop whole brain
1: thinking, so many times what happens is we are all of us have our strengths at a particular point in time. Uh, mm-hmm. it's quite uh, you know natural to work on our strength areas and keep focusing on that because that is what you mm-hmm. need successful, right? Yeah, right. it's difficult for to tell a person that this is a weakness area, please keep working it by yourself, right? It's not going to happen. To- um, and uh, you need to provide a support system over there. Right. Uh, right. The role of the manager, the role of uh, the learning teams, the role of people in coaching or training uh, become very important. That are they able right. to provide that support system for the person to then develop what is not yet a strength while they are digging? De- right. right. So that, right. that support system becomes extremely important. How do you put in place a support system? Uh, some of the mistakes that uh, as organizations we make is mm. we tell someone that you know what this is your gap area and then we focus excessively on the gap gap area and uh, right. the person themselves starts focusing excessively on the gap area uh, and what is the strength then becomes forgotten right and too much focus right. and uh, because it's already a gap area it's a not a strength area the person's outcome or output in that space will not be at the level of quality or professionalism that is desired, either by the person or by the organization. Yeah. And then yeah. in a very negative kind of an atmosphere. Right. So those are, that's one big mistake that, that is always. made. Another big mistake is to focus only on strength. And right. you know what, this person is not good at this area at all and they will never be good at this area. Uh, and in a sense, condemn uh, the skins of the person in that space uh, which has yes. you know stunting the person because they are only using maybe one mm-hmm. or the right right what is instead required is uh, like I said right focus on the strengths let the person deliver on their strengths uh, at the same time put in place a support mechanism for them to steadily improve uh, the gap area right and there's a beautiful process to help uh, do that and uh-huh. Maybe I'll just speak more about that process during this podcast as well.
0: Oh, yeah, sure. So uh, one thing I think we've uh, learned so far is learning never stops and it is a process and it's hard work. So before people uh, get into, oh my God, I have to work more. Can you tell us the advantages of, you know, in at-end paradigm of whole brain thinking? Like in jungle, just the fact of using all four quadrants, how does your life change?
1: Yeah, so I think it manifests a lot in the kind of products that we are trying to make. Uh, for mm-hmm. it, we have uh, simulations on a whole lot of areas like agility, storytelling, influencing, mm-hmm. managing people, delegating, which are considered very soft areas. Mm-hmm. And uh, in training people in these areas is exactly that, because they are very soft areas you know, a lot of things become very subjective become very judgment-driven uh, right of that it becomes very difficult to know whether a person is making progress in that area right, right. we model these areas uh, you know, using algorithms and equations what right? mm-hmm. in place, the way that these areas actually work, the way a person can actually be measured on areas like agility, be measured on areas like how well they delegate uh, or how well they influence you can actually measure people into proficiency levels using algorithms that fairly model the way it really works in the real world, right? and when uh, right. you go through these simulations you can give them immediate feedback as to where they are in a particular skill or a competency area uh, and then give them guidance on what they should have done differently to go up the skill ladder or up the competency or the proficiency ladder uh, yeah. An example of how uh, you can use whole brain thinking to make a product that uh, resonates with people a lot more, gives them meaningful insight and inputs on themselves. Uh, the other very important area is that if you're creating any kind of uh, content, it's important that the content is not purely intellectual, and it's not yeah. uh about uh, you know what the topic is. It's also important to make the content a way that people are resonating emotionally with the content it has to hit them it's not just hitting them in the head you have to also hit art mm. with the content right and right with the content uh, then you find that the content makes a much bigger impact on the person than otherwise uh, so Absolutely. It becomes very very important in creating that kind of content so john this is
0: interesting because um uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will also be wondering that, okay, that, 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 you know, there is direction, there, there is a way to approach this, but we're just bad at certain things. Like, oh, I'm really bad at English, or oh, I'm just bad at mathematics, and, you know, these simulations probably would take me somewhere, but not beyond. It brings me to the question of, do you think how you think involves how you're genetically wired, or do you think how you think involves on the feedback you got initially when you approached an activity or is it just your interest or intent and my second part of this question is can you change the way your approach toward logical or emotional thinking is
1: okay I think that's a very very uh, fundamental question in the space that you asked to chat uh, to the very heart of the debate of genes versus environment or genes versus nurture right true uh, so there's been a lot of research in this space uh, and a lot of research is actually supported both sides uh and i have spent a lot of time going to that research to understand uh and you know evolve my my take on this whole space right and i'm going to tell you what i feel right mm-hmm. uh, so when you're born uh, you are obviously born with uh you know a particular wiring in your brain right uh-huh. uh, and the way the brain works is uh, you know How do you develop a skill Or how do you develop a habit Let's first talk about habit Because habits is what helps you build skills Right So Internet. how do you develop a habit uh, So the simple neuroscience over here Is that uh, You know there is a uh, For any action you take Typically there is a And then an action And once you take the action Then you get what is known as a reward For taking the action Right, for example, okay, it's lunchtime. I'm feeling hungry, so that hunger is a trigger, right? Mm. Hunger are the triggers. Then you eat, Mm. and then uh, you feel full, right? Which is the reward Mm. of eating. And And the same cycle keep repeating, right? So you will find Mm. there are certain times in the day where you feel that hunger. There are certain times in the day where you feel uh, tired or sleepy, and you. Mm. Mechanisms to take care of that. Either you drink coffee or you go to sleep. Right? those are active mm. and then there's a reward. Right. See, and the brain typically rewards you in terms of, uh, you know, uh, releasing dopamine. Right. So you right. dopamine rush, and that is how you get the reward. Right. Now, if you right. go through the cycle a few times, uh, a, a step comes in between these three steps. Right. Which is that there is a trigger. And before you take the action There is something known as the anticipation of a reward Right so okay. There's a trigger Then there's an anticipation of the reward That the brain has uh, Because the brain knows that you know If you take the action you will get a reward So the anticipation right. then becomes a habit Right So you know that right. you have to drink uh, coffee every day at 3.30 mm-hmm. Just can't do without it Right mm-hmm. In a sense every habit in that sense is a mind addiction Right Right. how does this impact skill uh, how does anyone really become good at any aspect or any skill uh, It's yeah. spending time on that skill uh, and you know uh, going through a cycle of what I call uh, being aware of where you are on the skill uh-huh. clarity about where you stand in that skill doing some conscious repetitive practice uh, and getting very quick immediate feedback right? and this is about okay. a- learning any skill Right, whether it's football, whether it's music, whether it is Max, whether it's English, any area you can master by going through the cycle continuously for a long. Right? right. What happens is that when we are uh, young, uh, you know, when you are born with a set of wiring, there are certain areas where the brain is wired to give you dopamine when you are doing a certain action. Right. Right. There are certain other areas where instead of getting dopamine, you get inhibited, right? You get negative response from the brain. Yes. Right? And rather than promoting that habit, it actually inhibits that habit. Right? And you would have seen, for example, children, you know, uh, uh, there are children who are maybe very good in the arts and there are children who are very yeah. You know, quote unquote, very yeah. bad. Right? Uh, why? Because when they started drawing, there was something in the in the whole uh, neurochemical reactions that kind of give them inhibition, right? And they will like to draw, right? They fa- they faced a negative response uh, either from within their brain or, or even the response could have come from outside. You know, you have people commenting on your work, right? So you may have a client commented on your work, right? Or you have yeah. a max teacher who's commenting on your max, right? Uh, True, yeah, feedback. Yeah, so that feedback kind of starts inhibiting you and then uh, the next time when the trigger comes you would rather avoid that area rather than take the action right and as a result of this as we grow older there is a set of wiring that ends up developing in the brain Uh, Wiring, uh, you know there are skills that you are doing a lot uh, you know ends up becoming more like a superhighway right information very fast through the neurons and the wiring in the brain very easy to do that skill Whereas wiring, where mm-hmm. uh, you haven't developed that skill, you haven't spent any time on that. It's like a kachar road, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no one can travel. It's very, slow, mm-hmm. it's very painful to travel through that. Route. And therefore, end up not never taking that route. You would always take the highway, right? Okay. So you are basically just building on the initial set of wiring that you have, and then over your lifetime, you keep building more and more on that wire. Right. Now, uh, the beauty is that the brain is far more plastic than have historically been thought, uh, or in other right. ways, it can change the wiring. Oh, interesting! Right. So uh, you may in, you know you may feel that you are naturally good at something or naturally not good at something else, but you can hack process uh, by uh, leveraging the same uh, you know uh, action trigger action reward cycle. You can leverage the same cycle. Right. And you can hack the process to develop a skill which you thought you're not naturally good at.
0: And uh, at any age? At any any? age?
1: Wow. Okay. Uh, Yeah, it is proven today that even very old people who have continuously engaged their brain and kept their brain active, the brain Mm is a lot slower than people who have not kept their brain active. Right? So how okay. your brain ages is completely a function of how much you've been able to keep it active. It's very similar to building muscle in the gym. Right. Right. So you'll find that there are people at the same age but their muscles composition is very different because some people have invested in building muscle, some people. Have. And the same process happens. Right. Of course right. you grow the more deeper the wiring happens. Right. The more uh uh-huh. imagine a city with very crowded roads, you know, lots of roads in all directions. And you right. suddenly build a highway through that city. It's not going to be easy. It takes a lot of effort because you have to you right. have to remove a lot of the existing wiring. And you have to change a lot of the existing wiring before you can build it. Versus a city, right? Uh, versus a you know flat land where there's no city, it's just blank canvas. Mm-hmm. It's much easier to build a highway, there, right? So the same process works here. It is slower, but it's not impossible. It is possible, right?
0: Wow, that's very
1: interesting. That is a nothing. And you find, for example, children who are bad at math when they are very young, you will find that they have a phobia uh, or, you know, uh, I shouldn't say bad at math, but children who feel conscious that they can't do math when. Absolutely. uh, They're not confident about their capabilities in math and they've got a lot of negative feedback from the environment. Right? Yeah. Uh, And they themselves, so they have not really built the wiring required for math in the brain. Right? right. I think it's underdeveloped. Now, when they come to corporate, you'll find that they become managers or, pe- or individuals who hate data, and they just stay away from data aspects. Right. And the right. F- data in corporate is the same phobia of math when you're young. Right. When you're right. Right. And uh, however, you need to be good at data to read certain roles to achieve certain outcomes at work. Right. And right. It's going to be in inescapable. You need to at least have proficiency so it's very important to understand how to hack that process and do that rewiring uh, and build that skill that becomes extremely important and i just gave data and math as one example but uh, the same thing applies to the n number of skills that we need to be uh, good in our professional lives
0: No, i'm going to definitely look at this because the math is my nemesis, and it's like it's a it's a narrative affair. so this this podcast actually got me thinking as to into you know, how you can rewire, and the very fact that you can rewire at any age, so it's very, very interesting. So I am actually very intrigued with in this subject, and I am sure a lot of our listeners are too. How, how does one delve deeper to know more? I mean, you are an encyclopedia of information. How can one understand it better? Any books you recommend that one can read?
1: I think two books come immediately to mind, richard uh, The uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Uh, yes. Yeah. Very good and simple book very powerful book in this space uh, mm-hmm. also a book called The Talent Code by Daniel Boyle uh, mm-hmm. a very powerful book on how to how to develop any skill I think these are right. mental books in this space I think anyone sp- taking time to read these books will get good amount of insight about this space
0: Thanks so much, John. I'm sure a lot of those who are listening will look up these books because this is a vast subject and that I think going to benefit the more you know, the
1: more it's going to benefit each individual.
0: So thank you very much for another intriguing podcast and we'll catch you soon.
1: Thank you, Richard. It was great talking to you.
0: Thank you.